0: Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Now, Father, use your word to open our eyes. Open our hearts, our minds, our wills, our lives to serve you. Lord, may your Son, our Savior Christ, be enthroned in our hearts. And may we glorify you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that video this morning was particularly, maybe I just do things for me. Maybe I'm such a narcissist, I do things that I like to do. (laughs) But um, it was at the Brandenburg Gate. My dad was there in the summer of 1945. And he told me about the wreckage of Berlin and and yet how so many of the German people were so lovely and so nice to American GIs as, as they came in. But I was just reminded of what a horrific place that was. And then there were 200 bagpipers and, and this, this, this anthem of the Christian Church, Amazing Grace, being sung. And I was just touched by that. So I hope you liked it, even though I liked it. <laughs> Our text this morning comes to us from the Gospel of John. And Jesus is still in Jerusalem during this fall celebration that is the Feast of Tabernacles. And he and his disciples are just making their way in the temple precincts. And the disciples asked Jesus about a man they see who was blind. And somehow they figured out, maybe somebody spoke to them, but this man was born blind. So the disciples asked kind of a dumb question, and that is, who sinned that he was blind? His parents or or him? If he was born blind, I don't know how he could possibly sin, but he asked the question of Jesus, and Jesus said, Neither, neither. These things occur so that God might be glorified. And so once again, Jesus goes to the dust, even as he did with that woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And he expectorates into the dust and stirs up a little pate of mud and rubs it into his eyes and tells this blind man to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he does, and this man can see. And he's walking around. People know him. And they see that he's now able to make his way around. No longer is he walking around with that stupid white cane. He's free. And so they decide that they need to bring him to the denominational authorities. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the Gospel of John. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it, so he told them, he put mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God, for he's working on the Sabbath. Others said, how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, he is a prophet. The Jewish Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. So they called his parents. They asked them, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? His parents replied, we know this is our son. And yes, he was born blind. We don't know how he can see or how or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced That anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they left. He's old enough, ask him. So, for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. Well, I don't know if he is a sinner or not, the man replied, but this I know. I was blind, and now I see. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. So here is a man born blind, healed, and despite all the so-called miraculous things that had gone on at at that era and that period of time, No one had ever claimed to have been healed of blindness since birth. This is a once-ever occurrence where this man, born blind, is now looking at the Pharisees and speaking to them. And what's fascinating about this is the Pharisees these religious authorities these ones who are in association with power not just over the religious life of the community but also in collaboration with rome they've got their own necks to look out for and they claim this is all what is best for the people so it's politics then not unlike politics today it's all politics when religion or faith is associated with power And so they're going to make sure things go the way they determine it to be. And rather than recognizing with this man who's standing right before them, you can see? That's amazing. We are so happy for you. What was it like to all of a sudden see? How was it? We're so happy for you. Instead, there was just them arguing this jesus how did he do it (laughs) well he he made mud and put it on my eyes it was on a sabbath right well yeah well then he he he's in violation of the law i mean what on earth and then there is a minority opinion there in amongst the pharisees and that that was Probably people like Nicodemus and maybe Joseph of Arimathea. And they were saying, well, he can't be that bad if he can do these miraculous signs. Maybe this man really is one from God. Maybe this man, well, we can't convict him without a trial. Let's put it that way. So they bring him in, and they bring in the parents. They're trying to get some clarity on this issue because it's all just something that they cannot accept. They can't believe it. And so they're they're doing everything they can to dismiss it. But this man who can see, this man who is blind from birth, let's guess at his age. Let's say he's 20 years old. When they ask him point blank who he is, he says what he knows to say over against all that power that he sees arrayed before him, he is a prophet. He's one like Elijah, who healed Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria. He's a prophet like Elijah. This was not good. It's not good news. Not for the Those who were in power, those who were in charge of the denomination there in in Jerusalem. They were looking again for some way of getting at Jesus. The amazing thing is what he didn't know. He didn't know really who Jesus was. He didn't know if he was really a prophet. He didn't know what he was. But he said, What I do know is that I was blind what I do know is now I see those words constitute the reality of conversion he was one thing and now he's something very different he was in darkness and now he is in light and the discourse goes on where Jesus is called in and he declares that those who are in charge those who are in power are the really really the truly blind ones and all this does is stir them up even more, because they think they're so smart. But Jesus declares them blind, as does this man who says that Jesus did this. So being made new, having eyes opened, being able to see which they couldn't, he couldn't do before or as people can't before, remarkable story of martin luther is one in which he was going to law school he's heading into heading into uh, law school and he encountered on horseback a brutal thunderstorm and a lightning strike hit so close to him it almost killed him and it blew him off of his horse and coming off of that he was so terrified that he he promised god that he would go into He would go into the 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 monkery he would become a monk of the church and so he he became a monk he went to a monastery and he became so serious about what it meant to be a, a a monk in the church he began a process of denying himself any comforts whatsoever as a way of trying to do what he could to purge himself of his sin. He literally became a flagellant. He would, he would beat himself and, 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 and cry out in pain because of his sin. He would, he would sleep at night, or he couldn't sleep at night because he would put no clothing on, and he would freeze at night as a way of sort of demonstrating his repentance for his sin And he he went on and on, and he was doing everything he could to try to to become worthy of the grace of God. And he couldn't. And, And he was miserable. But he believed that that's what God wanted. God wanted him to purge himself of this sin that beset him. And then in the midst of it, he began to to read the scriptures. And he focused the gospel, pardon me, on the book of Romans, the the Apostle Paul's book of Romans, and particularly the third chapter. And he, he fixed on the words, not by works, but by faith. Not by anything I do, but by faith. This is when the Catholic Church had gone hard into institutionalism. There was a guy named John Tetzel who was selling what was called indulgences. If you bought indulgences, you could spring your loved ones out of purgatory into heaven. And this was a way of doing some stuff down in the Vatican. And and it it was a brutal understanding of the church's control of people, as if the church was the the way that one could find peace with God, as if by taking the sacraments and paying money to the church, you could receive salvation. But when Luther began to think about what it meant to serve the church and then what it meant to read the scriptures, he became, well, he began to change. And he began to think about this. And they made him a teacher, a professor at the University of Wittenberg. And he began, he began speaking and, and talking more and more about this reality of grace. And finally, he drafted his 95 tweets that he sent out to all of the Roman Empire, and particularly on the Wittenberg door. 95 arguments that basically started something that he had no intention of starting. But there was a ferment in the church, and the, and the people, the people connected with what he was saying. Because a church, like the Temple of Jerusalem in the first century, as a religious organization had become so oppressive, so powerfully hurtful of actual people in real life, that they began to to follow what Luther was saying. And at the same time, the Bible was now being translated into German so people could read it for themselves and they could see for themselves the truth of what Luther was saying. So finally he said, at last, meditating day and night by the mercy of God, began to understand that the righteousness of God is that through which the the righteous live by a gift of God, namely by faith. Here I felt as if I were entirely born again and had entered paradise itself through through the gates that had been flung open. He was converted. He was blind. And he could see. He felt he was transformed directly into the kingdom of heaven with this, with this wonderful recognition, this, this joyful reality of being made new. And everything changed for him. It's kind of funny. He talks about the morning after his wedding day, being shocked, waking up, and seeing pigtails on the pillow next to him. For a priest, that would be a shocking thing. And so he started life anew. And around Luther, then were other reformers and the entire church went into upheaval. And so here we are today in no small manner, a legacy of what God did in one man's life. What God does in life after life after life. What the Lord does to open eyes so that we can see. And the crazy thing about it is it's not, it's not opinion. It's not something that we can achieve. It's not something that we can argue our way into or out of. There is an actual change that happens that is not a part of any kind of discourse other than something happens. And just as the blind man and his parents went in with a bunch of question marks as to what it was that had happened. So it is with us. Somehow we just don't know. So I was doing youth ministry. My very first call out of seminary, the Laverne Heights Presbyterian Church. And we went up to Forest Home Christian Conference Center. We had about 25 kids. And it's like youth ministry in Southern California, just wild, crazy, stupid fun. Loud music and, and uh, speakers that tell more jokes than anything. And it's, it's just fun. And you know, kids are kids are falling in love with kids from other schools, and all, it's just all this chaotic stuff of, of a week of summer camp. And and I had I had one kid with me um, of the twenty five, who was one of those particularly troublesome kids. And um, he was always a trouble at school. And when he would come to the youth, youth group, he would sit in the back, and he was always just kind of goofing around in the back. There was always something going on. And one night, we had an overnight in, in the house next to the uh, church. And this kid in particular, I had to yank him out of a sleeping bag with, a, with a, one of the girls. And um, he, he was just one of those kind of kids. But he came up to me after camp, and he said, he said, Kurt, something's happened. I said, are you okay? He said, he said something's happened. And I said, well, what happened? He said, in my heart, and I don't really know what it is, But I want you to baptize me. So before we left, we went out to Lake Mears, named after Henrietta Mears. And with all those kids, we're standing in the lake. And I took this young man. I didn't know how to do this. I was a Presbyterian, you know. We... We we usually do a water thing, a little water on the head. So I just just said, Jack, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, I baptize you. And I lowered him down and pulled him back up. All the kids applauded. he wept his face was wet but I could see the redness of his eyes as he wept and the wetness of his eyes said to me what he didn't have words to say and that was I was blind and now I see I don't know if it's a good thing or not but kids in a ministry in the ministry today dramatically changed. I follow him every now and then I'll see him pages of his church and no explanation. I don't know if it's what the speaker said or what happened in the cabin or where it was or how it was but somehow Jesus himself Opened his eyes, opened his heart and opened his well. That's faith. And we do our best when we don't domesticate it. Certainly, when we dissociate our faith with whatever is going on in the culture, then the faith is to be upstream, not downstream from culture. And that we are always to be a people who are defined. Not by the stuff around us, by the, but by the indwelling reality of Jesus Christ in our hearts. Will you join me in prayer? And so, Lord, and we don't know. We don't know how change happens. Sometimes we try. We try real hard somehow we can't quite pull it off and then something happens lord we thank you for your grace your mercy for making us new thank you for your son our savior christ in whose name we pray If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.